Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Hi, good morning. I'm Wendy, for those of that you don't know. Um, and I'm going to share my life first. It's going to be, but those who hope or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 31. So why this verse means a lot to me is because sometimes I question, what if I fall? And I feel like Lord, the Lord says, "What, my darling, what if you fly? So... Waiting on the Lord is challenging for me, but always rewarding since I know he holds my future. All my life I felt controlling it myself or taking care of things and not waiting was easier or burdening the Lord, but I was wrong. The part of the verse that stands out to me was once we wait or hope in the Lord, he will renew our strength and you will mount up like wings on eagles or soar. Eagles to me are majestic, a majestic bird. They depend solely on those beautiful wings to find food or live which God provides. My story is I grew up in Memphis in southern Mississippi. I was raised in Christian homes on both sides of my family. My father and grandfather were United Methodist pastors, and my mother's family were Southern Baptist. My parents divorced when I was six, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, who taught me a lot of my Christian values, which I'm so thankful for, that and them and what they did for me. Two and a half years ago, my worst fear came true, and my husband and I separated after 15 years of marriage. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I realized I was not in control of my life any longer, and I decided after 34 years, I found myself on my knees praying, God, I cannot do this alone. I'm giving everything I have to you, and I want to live for you and seek your will for my life. Even though I grew up in Christian homes, I took it all for granted. I had this notion that being a Christian, I could live any way I wanted or even thought I could save people, so to speak. So with that said, ever since I've made the decision, my life has changed for the best. I keep seeking wisdom and living according to the word, and I've had so many blessings, it's humbling. I feel such a contentment because now I'm living for him and his love is enough. I have now truly forgiven myself and my ex-husband. We have two beautiful daughters to raise, and I'm looking forward to what God has in store for me next. I want to thank everyone who has been praying for me. I have felt your prayers. Thank you. Today's our last Sunday in this series that we've uh, been into for 10 weeks now uh, entitled Life Verses. Although I feel like we'll probably revisit this type of series again. I hope maybe you've been encouraged by hearing uh, Life Verses from our staff and leadership team and uh, lay people uh, in our church that is strategic and important for you to uh, have some Bible verses that mean a lot to your life, that direct your life. And I, and I just trust that you maybe will come up to me in a, a few months when I start talking about, hey, let's do something like that again. And uh, maybe you'll come up and share with me and say, all right, this is the verse that God's been speaking to me uh, about. And I would like to, uh, to share that with the congregation and us, uh, and us considering it. Um, I think it's uh, really uh, appropriate maybe that uh, today we, uh, we kind of close out this um, uh, this series by having Lindy share with us because as she mentioned to you, uh, she has gone through a divorce. She's a single parent and we need to recognize that's, you know, that's part of the church also. 
So uh, I, I think it's good that she shared uh, with us, and we had the chance to look at, at her verses. Uh, to be honest with you, when she first talked to me about doing it, uh, she uh, gave me her favorite verse, and when she gave me one of her, her, what she said was her favorite verse, I said, well, y- you can't have that one. And, uh, and, and she said, why? And I said, because that's Becky's, uh, my, my wife's, and she's already planning on using it. And I, I didn't want to upset Lindy, but uh, I have to live with Becky, you know. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, so I, I wanted, uh, wanted to use her verse, uh, let her have her verse. And Lindy said, well, that's fine. I've got another one. Hers is really, really kind of similar. Uh, that's why I'm wearing this shirt today because hers talks about eagles. And uh, I already had the, the T-shirt anyway uh, at, at the house. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm also wearing it a, a little bit about uh, patriotism today. I'm not trying to get in a, a separate side message, but guys, I, we really need to be praying for our country, and uh, our world needs our country to be the country that it used to be. Amen. And uh, and we need to we need to show up uh, like that. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, what Lenny chose, of course, was here in Isaiah 40, uh, verse 31. But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I really, really love this passage of Scripture. But, it, but in order for us to get the full value or the full impact of this verse of Scripture, we need to spend some time in the context. We need to understand why, uh, why Isaiah wrote these words, why God led him uh, to, to write these words down. Uh, and when we look at kind of the whole chapter, and to be honest with you, I, I kind of need to overview the whole chapter with you real quick and then say some pretty important things, I think, four important things uh, at, at the end of that uh, that go along with Lindy's verse. But he's writing to Jerusalem because those people that used to live in Jerusalem are now in, in bondage in Babylon. They've been carried away, so he's writing to them. Uh, they are kindly down in the mouth, so to speak. Uh, whining a, a little bit because of their circumstances, because they feel like maybe uh, God had forgotten them, God had left them, and uh, here they are off in bondage, and God tells Isaiah to write these words to them. He, he begins with some words of comfort to them. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level and, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now those verses, of course, find their ultimate fulfillment in who? In Jesus Christ. Because, you know, John the Baptist goes before kind of proclaiming this message. But he's writing to these people that are discouraged and despondent for being carried off into captivity. And he writes to begin with some words of comfort to them, letting them know that their sin is pardoned and God's going to kind of level everything out. Then he moves on and he reminds them that God's word stands forever. Because in verse 8, Isaiah writes these words, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You understand these people who are in captivity may have well been thinking, but God, now you promised we were your people. 
And you promised you'd never forget us. And here we are off in captivity. And God, it kind of looks like to us that you're not keeping your promises to which God tells Isaiah to write these words down. Hey, my word will never change. Other things will change. My word will never change. You're still my people. I will always keep my promise to you. And then kind of going through the rest of the chapter until we get down to Lindy's verse. Isaiah is pointing these despondent, discouraged believers who've been carried off into captivity. He's encouraging them to think about how great God is. He, He writes some wonderful stuff. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion. Talking about people of Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. In other words, he's kind of saying, hey, get over being discouraged because you're in captivity. You're still my people. You've still got a message to proclaim that I want you to proclaim. Tell people to look how great your God is. But behold, the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. You kind of see he's still talking about Jesus ultimately. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Now, you get this image of how great God is. Like all the seas, the waters, he, he, he just measures them in the palm of his hand. Marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? In other words, who's told God what to do? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught God knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel nor are his beasts enough for a burnt offering to honor God. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out before the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they, talking about the rulers and the leaders of the earth, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Who will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. In other words, who created all this 
this universe, all the stars. Who brings them out? They're host by number, calling them all by name, the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Man, do you, do you get an image just from reading through that, how great God is? We live in some pretty treacherous times, it seems like, on a world scene right now, don't we? With everything that's taking place. But our God is so great, the nations are nothing before him. And all the leaders are nothing before him. No matter what our circumstances is, we've got a great God. That's what, that's what Isaiah is telling these captives that's been carried away from Jerusalem, from their homes. He's reminding them how great God is. And then he tells them these words in light of all that he just said about the greatness of God. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. In other words, they're complaining. They're acting like they're, they're kind of whining. God, you've forgotten us. Why has this happened to us? God, why have you let this happen? You don't even see my way. You've disregarded me. Isaiah says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fall exhausted. But then he gets to her verse. But then they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You get a picture of the whole chapter, how it works together? They're discouraged despondent, brokenhearted, acting like God doesn't care anymore or God maybe can't do anything about it. And he gives them words of comfort. He tells them God's word lasts forever. He will keep his promise to you. Look how great God is. And it's almost like Isaiah saying, who do you think you are whining about this? Don't you understand that God is still powerful, that God doesn't faint, that God is there, that God still cares, that God still loves you? And he challenges them after he tells them words of comfort, reminds them of God's eternal promises, points them to the greatness of God. Then he challenges them, asking them, why in the world are you acting like you're acting? Why are you acting like God doesn't care? And he comes into something right in front of her verse in verse 31 that really is pretty normal. He reminds them that even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. That's something that's normal. That's something that just happens. If you get the full understanding of what he's really saying, the word that he uses for youth there means selected use. He's talking about specially selected men because of their vigor or their giftedness or whatever. He said even these specially selected men, even those men left to their own devices will fall. Even those men, they don't have the ability to make it through their circumstances. Even special selected people, they still grow weary and they still fall. That's why you can't trust in yourself. That's why you can't trust in your own vigor and your own ability. No matter how young you are, how old you are, you can't trust in yourself. It's a normal thing to grow weary and fall. That's why you have to trust in the Lord. That's what he's calling them to do in this chapter. 
It's a normal thing for the youth to grow weary. But, 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 he says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They can mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's what he tells these people carried off into captivity years ago. So you may be wondering, how in the world does that apply to me? What's the application? The main thought of this whole chapter is Isaiah telling the people from Jerusalem in captivity, God is bigger than your circumstances. You understand how that might apply to you? You have any circumstances going on in your life? I went through the county just roughly a minute ago. We've got around 160 people or so in, in here right now. We've probably got 160 different sets of circumstances. It is just as important for us to understand that God is so great. He can help us in the midst of our circumstances. It's as important for you and I to know that as it was for the children of Israel who had been carried away into captivity out of Jerusalem. For them to understand that God is greater than their circumstances, you and I need to understand that God is greater than our circumstances. We need to understand that whatever your circumstances are, God has some words of comfort for you. That God always keeps his promises. That God is a great God. He's greater than your circumstances. You need to remember that and apply it to whatever it is you're facing. We need to understand that God is greater in spite of whatever we're facing, in spite of whatever we're, we're going through. Someone has defined circumstances like this. It says circumstances are those nasty things you see when you get your eyes off of God. That's a pretty good definition. And they went on to say when you look at your, your circumstances and you view God through your circumstances, God seems distant and small. But if we will do the opposite, instead of looking at our circumstances and viewing God, if we'll do the opposite, if we'll look at God and through God view our circumstances, God is big and the circumstances are small. It's the change of viewpoint that we have. That we're in spite of whatever we're facing, in spite of whatever the circumstances are, we have the faith to wait upon the Lord. What that phrase, wait upon the Lord, really means, he's just talking about you, you need to trust in God. Whatever your circumstances might be, you need to wait upon him by trusting in him. That phrase, but those who wait upon, in the Hebrew, means to bind together by twisting, to collect, to expect, to gather, to look patiently, to tarry, to wait for. It doesn't suggest to sit around and do nothing. It's given us the idea of doing something in the midst of your circumstances. It's given a picture of us hoping or looking at God in whatever the needs are and whatever the circumstances we have because he's the all-powerful, almighty God. Literally, what the word that he uses here, I think he's telling us to do this. You need to come over here and you need to take this set of circumstances or, or this set of circumstances or this problem in your life or this trial in your life. You, you need to just collect them all together. And then you need to take the greatness of God, who God is and what God has done, and wrap that around those circumstances. Tightly together. And it kind of puts it in a neat, manageable bundle. <laughs> all the circumstances that you're facing. Grab them all. Bring them all before God. Tie them up with faith in him, with faith in how great he is and what he's done. 
And then you bring those circumstances to God and you, and you put them before him with an expectancy that God is going to help. Collect those circumstances and bring them before him with the hope that God will actually intervene and, and do something. He says those that wait upon the Lord, those that will wrap those things up, there are four, four expected results. You're probably wondering, when's he getting to the blanks today, right now? Okay. And I don't have much to say about each one of the blanks, but if we will wait upon the Lord, if we will gather all of our circumstances, wrap them up with our faith in Him, there's four expected results. The first expected result is a renewed strength. If we wait upon the Lord, if we trust in the Lord, if we're taking our circumstances and wrapping them all together with faith in Him, He says we shall renew our strength. We, we might kind of, through our faith, be able to slide by or hasten away from some of those circumstances to, to pass on. It also means or to, or to spring up or to pierce. The word renew meant to exchange something like you're exchanging clothes. So just maybe we're doing this by our faith in God in the midst of our circumstances, by us reminding ourselves God is a great God and he's greater than whatever circumstances we might face in our lives. It's kind of like we're taking some clothes off and putting some clothes on, some faith clothes. We're expecting God to infuse his strength in us, to pass his strength in us, to spring up his strength in us, to change us by his strength, by his ability, by his power to where we, to where we can make it through the circumstances. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10 that I think really apply to what we're talking about. But he said to me, now the background of that, Paul was kind of complaining himself, a little bit like the children of Israel were complaining because they were off in bondage. But Paul's complaining and saying, he's got this thorn in the flesh. God, why don't you get rid of it? Why don't you take it away? Why don't you help with, with any of my weaknesses? God said to him, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Do you understand what Paul's saying? Paul is saying, I'm glad to admit that I can't do it because when I admit that I can't do it, I focus on the fact that he can do it. When I admit that I have weaknesses, it causes me to look to his power and his strength. The children of Israel in bondage, Isaiah saying, hey, quit looking at your circumstances. Look at the all-powerful, almighty God. Because he's the one that can get you through the circumstances. And that's what Paul is saying that he, he learned to even revel in, to, to, to love to do, to Understand that when he's weak, that means he's really strong because his faith isn't in himself. His faith instead is in God. And God can give us this, this strength. He says, we shall renew. Isaiah says, we that wait upon the Lord, we shall renew our strength, our, our firmness, our vigor, our force, our capacity, our, our means. Now, I don't understand how some words in the Hebrew or the Greek sometimes have this meaning and they have this other flavored meaning over here. But the same word was also used to talk about a large lizard. Go figure. Or a chameleon. 
But then when you think about that, in light of what he's saying, God given us strength, God given us force, the ability, the firmness, the capacity, the means to make it through the circumstances in life, then it kind of makes sense that through faith in God, we can get a little bit of a thick skin like a lizard. Instead of being thin-skinned and letting every circumstance destroy our world, we, we need to have more of a thick skin and understand with faith in God we can make it through that circumstance. We can be a little bit thick-skinned or we can be like a chameleon that can adjust itself to its environment. Isaiah writes, if we'll wait upon the Lord, if we'll trust upon the Lord, he will renew our strength. It's kind of like come back to Becky's words that Lindy wanted to use, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, Isaiah wrote these words, But keep him in perfect peace, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know why we don't have the peace we like to have in our lives? Because we wind up keeping our mind focused on the junk, focused on the circumstances, focused on the trouble, focused on the trials. Focus on our captivities. Focus on, on whatever it is. We, we look at those things, and if we want peace, what we need to do is keep our minds stayed on him, not on the circumstances, if we really want to experience peace. If we will wait upon the Lord, if we'll trust in him, one thing that you can expect is to have a renewed strength. Second thing you can expect is to rise above it all. To rise above it all. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall ascend, actively mount up, actively arise, ascend upward on those wings. And, of course, he's talking to us about having wings of faith like eagles. The word for eagles literally means to lacerate. And that made me think of the, the claws of an eagle. An eagle is a bird of prey. So just maybe God is telling us if we will wait upon him, if we will trust him in our circumstances, we can lacerate those circumstances. We, we can rip through those circumstances. Plus an eagle being a bird of prey, you know, you know what the eagle does while it's up soaring above things? What's it doing? I mean, sometimes it might be just flying for the fun of it, but what's it doing most of the time when it's flying and it's looking down? What's it doing? It's looking for what? Looking for something to eat. It's a bird of praise looking for something to eat. So, so just maybe through our faith in God, by waiting upon him, by trusting in him, as we have these circumstances, maybe sometimes through faith in him, he can help us where we soar above them, and we can actually find something to feed upon that can help strengthen our faith as we soar over those circumstances. I was looking at a video uh, this week online. I, th I thought I'd look up some things about eagles and Sorry to put some on the screen. That I don't know. I just didn't ever feel exactly uh, like doing it. Uh, you need to understand some, some things about, about an eagle and about an eagle nest. An eagle nest is not like a little bird nest you see out in, in a tree somewhere. They weighed one of them. You know how much a typical eagle nest weighs? A ton. <laughs> you don't want it dropping out of the tree on your head. Unless you want to be dead. So it would be larger than this baptismal pool up here. I, I started to build one out of sticks. And I thought, man, it's going to take me forever. And bring it here and set up. But I was watching the video, and, and, and don't get the wrong idea in your mind of an eaglet. You're probably thinking of, of it being really small. By the time the eaglet starts to fly, it's almost as big as the parents. 
It doesn't get the white crest on its head until like two years later. And I was watching this video, this big black bird that looked like it should be able to fly real easy. And it would get over the edge of this huge nest and it would start flopping its wings and, and bouncing around. And then all of a sudden, it kind of go over here in the middle of the nest and start picking around a little bit. And then it would come back over here and get on the edge of the nest and start flapping around like it's going to do something again. And then come over and, and kind of look back down the nest and everything. The mother eagle, you know what she's doing the whole time? She's looking at its offspring like this with those kind of eyes. Honestly, she was sitting there. And she, finally, after the eagle kept doing that back and forth, it's like the mother eagle looked in it with, What are you doing? Well, you're designed to get out there and fly. What do you do? Why do you keep coming back and, and hanging out in the middle of the nest? And you see, I. I watched that and I thought to myself, that's probably the way God looks at us a lot. Because we get out here and start flopping our wings like we're going to really do something and then we kind of just come back and hang out in the middle of the nest. God's looking at us maybe a little bit like that. Why, why, don't, you, why don't you go ahead and do something? Why don't you fly? When the eaglet refuses to do so, the mother will do this. When they built that large nest, the, the mother padded it with feathers, sometimes even plucking out her own feathers. Or, or going and, and, and getting a lot of soft leaves or whatever they can to pad the nest, the nest to make it a, a kind of a safe environment for the eggs and a safe environment for those little eaglets when they're first born. But if that eaglet will not leave the nest, then that mother bird will start to stir the nest up verse in the Bible that kind of talks about that. Next uh, slide says that verse, or Deuteronomy 32, verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. You see, the, the, the eagle sometimes will intentionally stir the nest up, trying to get that eaglet to leave the circumstances of the nest. You need to understand something. It might be cool to think about soaring over circumstances. But you need to understand something. God may have been the one that allowed the circumstances to happen in your life. That's why Isaiah is writing to these that are captive in Babylon. God allowed it to happen. They started worshiping idols and various things. God said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to let you be carried off into Babylon. You're going to learn to look to me by faith. God allowed those circumstances to take place. God stirred their nest up. And God will not only do that with those people that were in captivity, God will stir our nest up. The mother eagle will take the padding out and expose sharp sticks to where that nest is no longer comfortable. No longer a place to hang out. Instead, it needs to leave the nest. But she's not doing it to be mean. She's doing it for that eagle to realize its purpose, to get out and do what it's designed to do. And God will do the same thing in our lives. He will pull the pattern away and expose some sharp sticks in our lives because he's wanting to prod us to get out and do what he's made us to do, to, to leave the nest, to soar and rise even above circumstances that might be very difficult that we're facing in in our lives to rise above it all 
the adult eagles, even after they are flight-born and been flying for a long time, there's seasons that they will molt their feathers. I, I keep a lot of uh, about three bird feeders full on my back deck. Some of you probably saw on Facebook back on one of the snow days last year. I had, I don't know, I had like 15 uh, cardinals at one time out there making pictures of them and things like that. And uh, Becky, you know, pointed out a while back, she said, our cardinals aren't looking too good now. <laughs> and uh, she said, I wonder if they're sick. And I, and I started kind of looking into it. I said, no, they're, they're molting. They're feathers. And the old feathers are leaving some and new feathers are starting to grow to where they can have stronger feathers and even fly better. So no matter how long you've been a Christian, God might be wanting to give you some new feathers to help you fly above your circumstances if you will wait upon Him, if you'll trust in Him by faith. Third result is this. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up like the eagles. But the third result is that we can rush ahead with the energy because he says they shall run and not be weary. You, you can run for whatever reason you're running. You, it especially means to rush ahead without gasping, without being out of air, without being exhausted or, or tired. You, you can, can run and just not get worn out. I thought of this before in the past. Maybe he was talking about running out of our circumstances or away from them. When I studied it this week, I, I didn't get that impression at all. Because the word most of the time is translated to rush toward, to rush into. Can I ask you what requires the most faith for God to give you the ability to run away from circumstances? Or for God to give you the faith that you can embrace the circumstances and run headlong into the circumstances, understanding that He loves you, He cares for you, and He's going to help you make it through. Where's the most faith? I think running into the circumstances, huh? You know what I always thought before, kind of by reading this passage of Scripture, I really like the idea of flying and soaring like an eagle. And I kind of had given that in my mind the highest value of what Isaiah is talking about. Because you're kind of flying over the circumstances. But I don't think that's what God had intended. I, I think God is saying, I, I, I will help you soar over the circumstances. But guess what? I will help you charge headlong into the circumstances. And I'll go with you and I'll be with you and I'll be beside of you as you run through the circumstances. By faith running without, without fainting, to be able to rush our circumstances. Fourth thing, fourth result that comes from waiting upon the Lord. Yes, He gives us renewed strength. Yes, we can mount up with wings like eagles. Yes, we can run and, and not be weary. But then he, he says this, They shall walk and not faint. Simply walking, carrying yourself without fainting, without becoming tired. And then as I read and I studied this week, I came to the conclusion that it, 
the highest value here is not soaring like an eagle. The highest value is not even being able to run toward your circumstances and not be weary. The highest value is walking. Walking right in the circumstances. See, if you're soaring, you're kind of up above them. If you're running, you're kind of you know, chasing toward them and, and, and you may be really energized. And, but when you're walking through your circumstances, those circumstances are up really close. You're walking slow, you know. You, you've got time to see them. You, 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 it's not like you're running and you might miss some of them or you're soaring over them and you might think you're above it all. The highest value of you and I letting the greatness of God get us through our circumstances is to have the faith to walk day by day, moment by moment, to live our everyday lives by walking through faith in Him. The theme of chapter 40 is God, the greatness of God can, can get you through your circumstances. Been a lot of circumstances I would like to have flown out of or over. How about you? You ever had those? Been some I would like to have maybe run away from or even have the faith to run into more, understand that God was with me. But you want to know where the rubber meets the road? <laughs> you want to know where you and I get to live most of the time? Not soaring above them, it's not running, it's walking by faith day in and day out through those circumstances with the awareness that God's with you. That takes more faith than flying. That takes more faith than, than running. He enables us to soar when there's a crisis, to run when there's circumstances. He can give us God-given energy, but he can also help us to walk faithfully in the day-by-day -day demands of life. You ever heard of uh, William Carey? Anybody ever heard of William Carey? Oh, come on. Someone's heard of William Carey? He's the father of modern missions, is what they call him, of, of missionaries. He said this one time. He said, I can plod. <laughs> man, that sounds great, doesn't it? If he had said, man, I can fly, that would have sounded wonderful. Or I've got the faith to just run out and do everything God's telling me to do. I, that would sound wonderful. But instead... William Carey, who's the father of modern mission, said, I can plod. And then he went on to say, this is my only genius. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this, I owe everything. In other words, he's saying the success that he had in missions and serving God wasn't soaring, wasn't running. It was just being able to take one step and the next step and the next step and the next step. A thousand-mile journey begins with one step. We might ought to add a new beatitude in. Blessed are the plotters, 
because they'll arrive at their destination. Blessed are those who will walk by faith through their circumstances, understanding that there's a great big God that loves you. God is greater than your circumstances. He enables us to fly higher, to run faster, but also to walk longer by faith. You know what it is to be the head bill uh, at, a, at a concert or, or something, to be the, you know, the top act, the last act, the top bill? In other words, when you go to a concert, they'll have maybe two or three bands come out and play before the main band that you paid to go see, and they're considered the headlining act top bill. I'd always kind of thought, flying like an eagle sounds like top bill. Running, that kind of sounds like almost as good as top bill. But the thing mentioned last, the one that gets the top bill in here is walking by faith. In the midst of the circumstances, in the muck and the mire, seeing everything closely and knowing it's really there. <laughs> it's there if you're flying over it. It's there if you're running. But when you're walking, you really see it. It's really there in your face. And yet believe in God enough that you can make it through. That's the highest bill. That's the highest value. Micah said this, for all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. God is greater than your circumstances. Isaiah writes to a people that were carried away from their homeland, carried into bondage. Feeling like God had given up on them, that God was not keeping his promise, that God had forgotten them. And he writes in Isaiah 40, and he gives them some words of comfort. And he says, hey, God's going to keep his promise. His promise never comes to an end. And I want you to look how great God is. So what are you whining about? Instead, you need to be trusting, waiting upon the Lord. And if you'll do that, he's going to renew your strength. He's going to help you to soar. He's going to help you to run. He's going to help you to walk through those circumstances. Let's pray. God, forgive us when we, uh, God, when we act like the children of Israel here in bondage. When we start to convince ourselves that you don't care, that you're not keeping your promises to us. When we start to look around us and be so distraught because of the world that we live in and all the threatening situations that exist. God, forgive us when we look at the circumstances instead of looking at you. Give us the faith to view the circumstances first by looking through you and not the reverse. Give us the faith to Remember that you're, you're a great God. You've created everything. You, you've done everything. And you still love us and you've not given up on us. And you can help us 
through whatever the circumstances we face. Lord, if there's anyone in this place this morning that feels trapped in the circumstances of their sin and they've never trusted in Jesus, give them the, the faith they need right now to trust in Jesus completely and totally for their forgiveness, for their salvation. Lord, help those of us that have trusted in Him, but we, we have found ourselves in circumstances and we have been guilty of looking at the circumstances instead of You. Help us right now to look to you and help us to soar and to run and to walk depending upon your greatness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When, uh, when I read in the Bible and you think about the heroes of the faith that we can read about and you know, all these characters that God used in great ways, I thought about that a lot this week, and, and, and I thought, you know what? I, I don't see a lot of them soaring like eagles. I do see some of them kind of running and embracing their circumstances, but you know what all of them did? All of them walked by faith. They put their foot in front of their foot by faith in God. And they took the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. You willing to do that? You don't know Christ as your Savior. Your first step is to trust in Him. And I pray that as John leads us in this song, you'll do that. Whatever your circumstances are, and there's a varied number of circumstances. Some I know, I'd ask Him to help you with it right now during this time. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.